Hey, thanks so much for joining in today. This is our Life Church podcast, programming on demand and audio, and we're thrilled that you're here and that you're watching or listening to this program. You know, Life Church is currently over four campuses Bradford, England, Leeds, Belfast, Northern Ireland, and Warsaw, Poland. And across each of these campuses, we really believe that God is, is encouraging us and challenging us to help reach people beyond the four walls of our church. And so we started this series called Love Your Neighbor. You know, of course, Love Your Neighbor is one of the greatest commandments. Jesus said you love your neighbor as yourself. But what we've done is we've taken that beyond the four walls of church and gone right into our communities. And now I hope after you hear this teaching today, you are going to be challenged and also equipped to reach out into your area, your town, your community as well. So Charlotte, my wife, is going to kick this new series off. And over these next four weeks, I hope you journey with us over every week. And at the end of this time, you're going to be better equipped to see more people one to Christ. Because really, to be honest, that should be the work of the church. All right, let's get started. We just really felt in our heart that it was time to put the spotlight back on something that God has never taken the spotlight off, which is the most important thing he asked us to do. The second most important commandment that he gave us is something that was not a suggestion. It was not a little idea that God had to throw this line out there to say, yeah, just love your neighbor like it was just a throwaway remark. No, this was a command. And therefore it was an order that he was giving us, his church, of what we should be doing and spending our time doing while we are here on the earth, okay? So I think it it warrants going back and revisiting what this looks like. It warrants going back and looking at are we loving our neighbor? Do we understand how to love our neighbor? Does the neighborhoods around our church and the neighborhoods around where the church are living and dwelling, do they know you're there? Do you make a difference that you are there? Would they care if you moved out tomorrow? Would they even notice a difference or a deficit in the neighborhood if you left the neighborhood because I hope to God they would. I hope that they know you're there. I hope they see that you're different. I hope that you being on that neighborhood street makes a difference for good, not for bad. And by the end of this few weeks time, you will be challenged. You will be provoked. You will be given homework today. You will be pushed out of your comfort zones. There's going to be some crazy stuff that we're going to have you doing in the next few weeks. How many of you remember the dad's doorstep challenge? Well, we are bringing the dad's doorstep challenge back on Sunday mornings. And as of next week, we'll be starting setting you some doorstep challenges that we want you to do that week in your neighborhood, as crazy as it may seem. So this is a all in, no excuses. Everybody can have a neighbor, okay? Even if your house is with, you know, a drawbridge that's pulled up and a moat around it. And, you know, you live away from people because you don't like your being a neighbor. There is a point where you will come out of your home and step into reality. And the Bible says that the guy that tried to find a loophole for not loving his neighbor, God said, no, let me tell you about this guy called the Good Samaritan. A neighbor, he's whoever's on your path whoever you come across, whoever your life bumps into. So you might say, I love this because I am off the hook. I only have one neighbor or my neighbors are half a mile away. Well, you know what? You're not off the hook because that's what the religious guy tried. And God said to him, let me tell you a story, whoever you bump into. 
Love them like your neighbor. So Matthew 22 is the foundation scripture that we're basing this off. I just cricked my neck when I turned that way. You know when you crick your neck and it really hurts? And I'm carrying on talking and I am in pain. You know when you trap a nerve when you crick? I just did that right there. Sorry. That's my inside voice speaking out. I'm fine. I might need a massage after this meeting. But oh, ouch, that hurt. Sorry, just a moment. All right, Matthew 22, in Jesus' name, be healed. Matthew 22, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Oh, sorry, just, just, oh yeah, no, sorry, yeah, let's read there. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Now, it doesn't say like your neighbor. Okay? Because I know some people in here may have bad neighbors. You've seen the show, Neighbors from Hell. Maybe that is your life. Maybe that is your reality. Maybe for you, this is a nightmare of a series to start because you're just thinking, oh my word, if you knew the neighbors that I had. It didn't say like them. They don't have to be your best friends, but it says you have to love your neighbor, which means you don't gossip about them, which means that you don't say mean things about them, means when you want to hit them, you don't. It means when they're driving you crazy, you send back kindness in their direction. We were sat with our vision team this week discussing some of the great things that are ahead in the coming weeks in this campaign. And one of our to be campus pastors was having a hard time at the table. And as we were sat around discussing, his face was downtrodden. He, his demeanor changed as we talked about loving our neighbors. And I could see that there was a problem around our core leader's table. And so we said, Matek. <laughs> I wasn't going to name you, but I just couldn't resist it. Do you have a problem? I text like, this is hard for me. This is hard. I said, why? He goes, because my neighbors steal from me. He said, I ordered three pairs of shoes from ASOS. Three pairs of really nice shoes that I saved up and I ordered. And one of my neighbors signed for the delivery when I was out and have stolen my shoes. I even know that there's somewhere on my neighborhood, someone has got three pairs of brand new shoes. And the company said they were signed for it. It's not our fault that someone stole them. And so I have a verse for you this morning, Machek, because I prayed about you. In Luke 6 verse 27, the Bible says, if someone steals your coat, give them your shirt. I'm just saying, you're going to have to love your neighbor. We were laughing around the table that as he goes to meet his neighbors, this will be what Machek does. Hi. Hi. Checking everybody's footwear as he goes down the neighborhood. Aha! I have you. Where did you get those shoes from? They're very nice. They look like my size. So I'm not saying that loving your neighbor is easy, but it still is a command. 
Now this morning, I want you to take notes. This morning, we're going to delve into some scriptures where I'm going to ask you to think about some stuff and write it down. So I have prepared for those of you who are unprepared. If you need a paper and pen this morning to take some notes, please raise your hand and we will get one to you right this moment in time. If you are unprepared with a paper and pen, thank you for showing your unpreparedness. Youth section need a whole book down here and a whole pile of pens, Andre. We have work to do. And so let's hand out pens and papers because there's some things you want to write down. I know some of you write on your devices, on your iPhones, but you know what? Nothing beats in my book, good old-fashioned pen and paper. Because you can stick this on your fridge, you can put it by your bed, you can have it as something in your home that you refer to. And while everybody's getting pen and paper that needs it, would you turn with me to Esther 4? Now, you may think this is a strange place to go to, should we not stay and talk about the Good Samaritan and look at that verse that a little bit longer and spend a little bit more time around the verse that really is the basis for this thought and this commandment. And we may go back there. There's still some young people down here that need paper. So all you that have paper still just head to this section over here for the young people. We'll get to you guys. So uh, you might think, well, shouldn't we spend more time on the Good Samaritan or talking about those uh, issues and scriptures around where this verse came? But you know, last week in the offering, I referred to something that God had been speaking to me about moving up. I don't know if you were here last week, but for those of you who remember, I was excited. I usually am excited. I did a mini preach on you and I just felt that God was reminding me that not only was it time for our kids to move up, but it was time for our church to move up. I want to bring those two thoughts together in the next 20 minutes, because I believe that this campaign that God has laid on our hearts, it's not a gimmick. It's not just an idea we have, but we believe it's an emphasis in the spirit from God. I believe that as getting this into the DNA of our church all over again will help us move up into some things that God has waiting for us. I believe it's time for us as a church not to just keep moving on in our programs and moving on in our communities and moving on in our activities, but as to move up our profile in this community, in the communities that God's entrusted to us, in our schools, in our colleges, in our academies, in the places where we work. We're going to move up the sound of the church. Move up the sound of hope because I tell you, all you need to do is have your news on for more than a few moments and you'll know there's no hope coming out of that TV. There's no hope coming out of that news. There's no hope coming out from those people that are commenting on the times we live in. So in step the church to turn up the volume of the hope of Jesus Christ and the hope that can only be found in a life that is putted in his church. The hope that's in him. And so it's time to move up and I am taking us to this story because I have been captured by it again this week with this whole thought in mind of how we begin to move up in this emphasis of loving our neighbor. So Father, we pray to you about our giving, about our kids, but Lord, I pray right now for this community. God, right now as we are here, there are people that are in their homes contemplating taking their life. As we're here, there are people that are distressed and distraught because they don't even know what to do with the mess that is in front of them. 
Lord, as we're here in the safety of this environment and our kids are being loved on in the other building, there are people whose kids are being beaten, neglected. As we're here in the bubble sometimes of what we do as a church, there are people that don't even understand that they are loved, accepted, or forgiven. God help us not just do a set of teaching over the next few weeks, but God help us see again this great commandment that you gave us to love our neighbors, the ones we don't like, the ones that sometimes we think we have nothing to say to. God help us move up in our understanding today. Help us move up in our willingness today. For their sake, God, for our community's sake, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, you aren't listening for you, but you're also listening for them. You know, it's good when you come to church and somebody gives you a word that'll help you in your business or help you in your life. That's good. We're all for that. But we've got to get back as well to remembering that when we come on Sunday, when we come together, we're not just coming for us. We're coming for them. We're coming for who you're going to sit next to tomorrow at work. We're coming for the mum in the school playground that has no hope. We're coming for the kids that are in school with you that are contemplating all kinds of stuff. We're coming listening on their behalf. That's what this next few weeks is all about, raising our awareness. And so that's why I take you to Esther. Because Esther's background is she was an orphan. Esther had nobody. She had no mum. She had no dad. She grew up this young, tender girl with no natural family to take care of her in the immediate sense. And so on the streets, everybody around her life, her uncle, Mordecai, and those around her life where she lived, they became her family. The neighborhood raised her. Her people raised her. There were times when I'm sure Mordecai didn't know what to say to a young growing teenage girl and there would be a, an, a, a surrogate aunt on the neighborhood. There would be a home she would drop into. There would be other children she would go and hang out with. She would walk in and out of other people's homes because that to her was her family. She lived and she was brought up and she was invested in by the neighborhood where she did life. Her people helped her get a firm foundation in her life. And then we know Esther's story began to change because she was plucked out of her neighborhood and she was placed into the king's harem and taken from her streets into the palace. And as she's moved from one environment to another, several interesting things happen. And I want us to look at where these two worlds reconnect again, which is a little later on in Esther 5, where she now becomes aware of something that's happening on the streets that she has left. We're going to read, first of all, from Esther 4, and I'm going to begin at the beginning, and we're going to look at areas that we have to move up into in order for us to move out into our neighborhoods. Esther 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, there's a plot against the Jewish people just to bring you up to speed, Esther's people. Esther's out of the streets, out of the hustle and bustle. She's now in the palace. In fact, it tells us she's having 12 months of beauty treatments, not a bad lifestyle to be living. Hello. And she's over there getting pampered and looked after. Meanwhile, there is trouble in her neighborhood, trouble with her people. And so Mordecai tries to get her attention to tell her, we need you. God needs you to use you. You need to help us with what's going on. So Mordecai learned of what was being done. He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. 
He went as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it in every province to which the edict and order of the king came. There was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. These were the same people that were wailing and crying and in distress that she'd grown up with, that she'd hung out with, that she'd had tea at their table, that she'd been in their world. They'd been in her world. These were her people. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her that her uncle Mordecai was in great distress, she sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. I want to stop there before I give you four points for which I want you to write down on that paper you have. But I want to stop there by just saying, let's just think about that. Here's a girl that was raised on these streets. Here's a girl that these were her people. And now all of a sudden, there's a problem in the neighborhood. And her uncle says, Esther, there's a problem. But here's what happens. Esther sends clothes to try and solve a problem that clothes will never remedy and says to her uncle, put some better clothes on. You know, maybe that will help. And her uncle refuses to accept it. And you know what? I'm provoked by this, that we need to be careful as the church, that when we get saved, we don't come so far out of our neighborhoods, into God's house, into our holy huddle, into our bubble, that when the world are crying in the neighborhood we came from, we turn and send them some clothes. We turn and send them a basket. We turn and send them some kind of thing that we think would be more suitable for them, when they turn around and they don't accept it. Why? Because it's nothing that they need. It's not what they're crying out for. It's not the answer they need. But they've become so removed from the, from the world that we were. We've become so removed from the issues that we used to know because we used to be in amongst them that we're now sending answers to a hurting world that make no help that does speak their language, it doesn't, it doesn't touch the problem. You know, our ignorance will be our irrelevance. And she was ignorant to what was going on. She was ignorant to the, to the, to the distress. She was ignorant to the cry of the people that she knew. She'd become ignorant by her removal. And we want to build a church where where you come in, you're still very much aware of what is happening outside of the walls. That where you come in, you realize it's all about where you go out back to. That when you come in, you pick something up for when you go back out. It's not you come in away from all those neighbors that bother you and hassle you. And, oh, my neighbors are a nightmare. And I'm glad to be my Christian friends now. And this is much better. And and so then there's a problem in the world. And so we just kind of send stuff. We send care baskets to people that are going to hell. And I'm all for care baskets. You know that but I want the care basket to have a a message attached to it and a hand handing it out and a person on the end of it who understands that the care basket is not the answer, but the carer carrying the care basket is. That's why at Christmas, when we were praying, God help us help people in our neighborhood, we found out gas and electric were the biggest needs in the neighborhood. So when we went as a church, we went with language that people understood. You get where I live. You understand I can't heat my home. You understand just this week, again, another family that Matt and Claire went personally to and gave them heating and gave them uh, credit on their card for their gas and electricity. They could not believe that the church could understand this is my greatest need. This is what 
keeps me awake at night. This is why I can't sleep because I just are in fear for my children and our family. The church understands. That's our job. But somehow Esther had been removed and Mordecai, I love it. He goes, I'm sorry, but I ain't putting your fancy clothes on. I ain't dressing how you want me to dress. I need you to understand there's a bigger problem than this. If we're going to move up in loving our neighbor, the first thing we've got to move up in is our awareness. Awareness. Let me ask you to think about this. It's just a practical thing. Maybe you're going to get 10 out of 10, but how many of you, you don't have to put your hands up, how many of you could say, yes, I know all my neighbor's names? How many of you could say, and if you have one neighbor, that doesn't count? (laughs) Hello. How many of you could say, I know right now who in my neighborhood is ill? How many of you could say, I know right now who in my neighborhood is about to have a baby? I know right now who in my neighborhood when the birthdays are. I know the age of the children. I mean, if you say, well, my neighborhood is, you know, 26 houses. How could I possibly know that? Start with three. Start with four. I mean, awareness. How can we be the answer if we're not even aware of the problem? How can we be, how can we be God's hand to people if we don't know what it is that God needs to put in our hand for people? Esther had to get awareness. And so the next line that comes when she rejects it is this is what she does next. Then Esther summoned one of the king's eunuchs, assigned her tender and ordered him, go find out. Hello. That should have been where she started. Go find out what's troubling Mordecai and find out why he is in the state that he is in. She went to go and get some awareness. And I believe we have to move up our awareness in our neighborhoods. Hey, thanks so much for watching. And of course, over these next three weeks now, we're going to stay in this love your neighbor theme. And I hope now you're challenged and and you're intrigued about how you can reach out to people around you. You know, it is really true that you are born for such a time as this. This is your time. In fact, this is the time of your whole church to reach out and make a difference in your community. So I want to challenge you to do that. And as you reach out, hey, you know, we've got lots of different resources online. Go visit our website. It's on the screen now or it will come on air here in just a minute. Make sure that you're connecting. Contact us at hello at lifechurchhome.com. We would love to hear for you, pray for you, and even see you in one of our campuses if you're ever in the area. So have a great week, and hopefully you can join again where we carry on part two of this dynamic series.